Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. In today's episode, we have Christy Moore, and we do a recap of the Ladies at the Lake Tournament and talk women's tournaments. Also back in the studio is recently crowned FP40 World Champion Kim Janola, and we talk courses and tournament formats. All right, time to talk Ladies Disc Golf. Hello, everyone. I am Becca Kephart, and I am beyond excited to have back in the studio with me, Nova Polite and Kim Janola. Thank you. We've got a lot to get to today, but we'll start with our usual first segment, What You've Been Discin', where each one of us shares one disc golf related thing that we're excited about, and I'm making Kim go last. Nova, what you got? Yeah, so uh, Junior Worlds was out in Emporia about, what, about three, four weeks ago, and uh I went out and uh, crashed um, with some new friends at an Airbnb uh, for all week and spotted out at uh, mostly at Jones East and uh, one round over at Peter Pan Park because Jones East wasn't being used that day. And it was a a good time. A lot of fun watching the juniors play. Um, Met a lot of really good players, saw some really good stuff. Um, Made some interesting observations. It's like the 18-year-old boys... For the most part, they all just throw real far. Yeah. Uh, but then, like the the fifteen year old uh, boys, which is like thirteen to fifteen year old, really, there is such a massive spread of developmental levels. Sure. Oh yeah. For guys yeah, yeah, in yeah. that age group. Yeah. So there are like fifteen year old boys. There was there was one. He was thirteen, looked eighteen. Yeah. Right. Throwing in the fifteens. Right. right. And like on whole, gosh, uh, seven eight at uh, Jones East, like goes on this massive hyzer bomb all the way up and around everything yeah. and parks the basket around back on the back door route. And he's like 13 years old. Yeah. He's like 6'4". Yeah. And then right. it's like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, I'm expecting like adult. And I'm like, hey, that was a heck of a throw. And he's right. like, I know, great, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, child, right. This is a child, yeah. <laughs> well, but you got to carry the sign for the uh, oh yeah the girls that, under oh, eighteen. Oh yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. So um, yeah, so like the volunteers had been like um, assigned to Emporia Country Club uh, on the last day. Um, you know, partly to spot on the course and partly to carry those ridiculously heavy scoreboard right. signs because they are ridiculously I was heavy. Wondering. They look no, you, heavy. No, you look at them. They look heavy to you. I look at. I was looking at on a video, and I'm like, that's like fiberglass or something or aluminum. Right. No, no, they're solid iron. <laughs> no, seriously, like you could fight off barbarians with that thing. You just get it swinging in a big circle. It's like you're playing Dark Souls. But anyway, um, so I, I I got to lug this thing around yeah. for the uh, the under 18s uh, Cynthia Ricciotti's card, um, right. which was awesome because it means I got to be like standing like. 20 feet yeah. away when she can the putt on her world championship. Yeah. And uh, Dino, her dad was right there yep. and he was inconsolable in like <laughs> the most adorable good way. He was yeah. like blubbering. He, he could barely hold his phone up and he's like, would you hold the phone? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And you know, and I, I hold the phone and she putts and he goes and he hug tackles her and yeah. I'm filming and I'm like, I'm over there going, this is the best. I know, I'm right? trying, I'm, not, I'm trying not to cry too, you know, cause, cause, 
you know, she's, we're, oh, yeah. we're just golf besties. So that yeah. was, that, that made the trip worth it. So for me, I'm excited because I'm headed to Colorado in about a week and a half for a wedding. And I'm hoping to meet up with some of the uh, Colorado disc golf fam, as well as my actual family that lives there. Uh, and Colorado is where I very first started playing disc golf. So I know I'll at least to get to throw a little bit on um, what used to be my original home course. It has changed a lot in the last 14 years, but I'm excited to get out to Colorado and throw some discs. So Kim, what you got? <laughs> well, I've been pretty busy since the last time we talked. I know you the can la- say that. Sorry, keep, the last time I, <laughs> last time I was on the uh, the podcast, I said I was happy to just be able to play again because I was coming off an injury yeah. and I was going to the Mid America Open. Um, since then, I played a number of tournaments, and the most recent one was the Professional Masters World Championship, and I won. Way to bury the lead. <laughs> So, in terms of what have I been disking, I've been disking a world championship. So, I there like we go. It. I like it very much. So, let's go ahead and turn the corner to Nova and Kim's adventures, because y'all have been some places since you were last on the podcast. And let's kind of start with the most recent, and then we'll work chronologically backwards. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit about Pro Masters Worlds. Uh, Kim, you were on Smashboxes last week. Yes. so. You got to talk a lot in depth about it. And I don't know, let's start there. What has it been like being the subject of disc golf media? Initially, it was uh, it was kind of shocking just how yeah. many people wanted to talk to me. Sure. Um, for example, after I won, Danny Lindahl from Dynamic mm-hmm. Discs wanted an interview. And I have no idea if they did anything with that footage sure. or not. But, you know, I'm not sponsored by Dynamic. Sure. Um, and they weren't necessarily covering the entire... Around, so I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but there it was. There yeah. was an interview, and then, you know, Ulta World wanted some mm-hmm. some statements, and the PDGA wanted some statements, and then obviously Terry wanted me on Smashbox and, and stuff like that. So it was. I'm not going to say shocking because sure. you you win a world championship, people right. are going to want to talk to you, but I wasn't expecting all of it to come at once like it did. Yeah. So yeah. yeah kind of overwhelming a little bit yeah. so yeah the media attention was fast and furious and the interesting thing is um you know i'm like a week out of that now and right it's gone right <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it was both literally fast and furious sure. it was just this massive string of media i had to do and now now things have returned to normal yeah dang it terry and johnny v scooped me no i'm just kidding it's totally fine it was a really really good interview and then nova you got a chance to do some videoing over pro masters worlds with terry um on that final nine you are correct um yeah um for the for the most part of the week i had been uh caddying for kim um which that is so much work yeah I am a head case. Oh my god, so much! <laughs> but uh, I was looking at the timetable, and uh, Masters women and, and uh, Masters guys, you know, F, FP40, MP40, were within just a few minutes of each yeah. other. Um, which, if you know anything about uh, videoing um, men's and women's disc golf, that means only one's getting filmed. I've got a horrible camera <laughs> and 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 the, and the little stick to put it on. Um, it, I mean, it has like. It has literally uh, no zoom, no telephoto. Right. It's, it's got a prime lens, so I've just got to pick my spots and frame my shots. 
um, which is fine. I was a still photographer way back in the day. Sure. But I knew Terry was working, and I didn't know the details of any agreement he might have with uh, the KCFTC or the PDGA. Right. So I didn't want to step on his toes. So I reached out to him on Facebook, and I just sent him a message like, hey, Terry, um, if nobody's filming um, FP40, do you mind if I do? You know, I'll shoot it. I'll edit it. I'll grab Kim and jump in the booth, win or lose, and we'll do commentary, and I'll just throw up on my channel, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, tell you what, I'll do you one better. And I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got more than one camera. Um, We'll collaborate. You grab my rig, you follow them around. I'll, I'll take the footage home, edit it. We'll send the foot uh, the, the edited footage back to you and Kim. You you all throw commentary over it and it goes yeah. up on uh, Disc Golf Guys channel. And I was like, yes. <laughs> because, well, first off, I don't know how much his, his camera, the lens, all the batteries, the memory sure. card, that stuff costs. But I remembered what the microphone on top of it looked like. Yeah. I got home and I Googled it. It's like, there's like a $300 microphone sitting yeah. on top of all this. So at the very minimum, Terry Miller let me out of his sight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> with at least that much in equipment and, yeah. you know, probably, you know, 10 times that for the rest of the, sure. the kit. So totally stoked. Yeah. Um, the video is not great on the first one or two holes. Um, Cause I am not a videographer. I'm a photographer sure. and that's from like way back when film was still a thing right. in the early 1990s. Um, so I had one or two holes where I had to get used to the idea that um, shooting the action side on mm-hmm. with the disc traveling from say left to right or right to left across the frame is very hard um, mm-hmm. because in terms of angular um, degrees per second, the disc is crossing um, the field of view really fast, yeah. so it's hard to keep that thing right. inside the inside the frame. But if I move back behind the player and so that where the player is standing and where they're throwing to are already inside the right. frame, don't have to move the camera yeah, very yeah. much. Right. Really yeah. easy to keep the disc in the frame that way. Yeah. And uh, if you watch the video, you'll notice that like holes one, two, three. There's a couple times where I'm kind of flailing around a little bit sure. going, where's the disc? Where's the right. disc? Where's the disc? Oh, God. <laughs> and thank you, Terry, for not editing that out. But uh, right. Right. after that, around hole four, five, six, it, yeah. uh, it really tightened up. Yeah, that's awesome. Doing commentary on that was a very interesting experience yeah, as I'm well sure. because, you know, as I said on the Smashbox thing, some of this was not good golf on my part. Right. You know, I'm watching my steps to the right, which mm-hmm. is putting discs into trees or um, out of bounds mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And like Nova said, you know, win or lose, we were going to do commentary on yeah. this. And so I'm watching the footage going, how am I going to speak to the fact that this is the world championship and I'm messing up left and right it's like look at your world champion look at all these mistakes she's making so you know i just had to commit to the idea that well let's just be honest with with what i was feeling what i was experiencing so you know everyone has that moment where the nerves overcome you and your golf is not as clean as you would like. So I was just going to talk to that throughout yeah. the footage. Well, I think that, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I made a very deliberate choice when we were doing the commentary was I knew that you could speak to what you were feeling and what you were doing and the results of your throws and stuff, but there was nobody to speak for Courtney, yeah. um, Courtney McCoy. So I was doing my very best um, to like be, be her voice in, 
in the po- you know in the in the commentary you know like she's having the lead she got two strokes on that hole she's playing very clean that was really smart golf that was a heck of a run there for the the birdie putt and so on and so forth um, because I didn't want it to just be Kim 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 Hey Kim 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 you know because that would because that's not compelling video and it's it's not good journalism no and. You know, we have to be fair. You know, she outplayed me for six of those yeah. nine holes. You know, like just outright outplayed me. Oh, for sure. She took the lead and Whooped seized you. it. Yeah. Yeah. So you Beat know, you. I had the smallest opportunity to tie it on hole nine, mm-hmm. and I was able to capitalize on that. And from that point on, you know, it was back to sudden death. Right. And I just happened to have the better tree kick on the second hole which gave me a clean up shot at a much shorter distance than what she had. And that was the ultimately the deciding yeah. factor there. Yeah. So, you know, speaking to Courtney's perspective, you know, she played well in that yeah. final nine and we really need to, to recognize that. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to a question. Can you speak a little bit about playing with the same card for a world championship over four and a half rounds. Obviously, the final nine was just you and Courtney, but you played with the same three competitors on your card through mm-hmm. four rounds. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Well, eventually you get to understand how what everyone's going to do, their pace of play, sure. their preferred lines, their preferred shots. And so after a while, I know that if Courtney has a drive, which I think is short, it's not. <laughs> And what I mean by that is she's going to lace an upshot through right. trees, park it under the basket. Yeah. And what looks like it may be a four. No, it's going to be a three. Yeah. Um, she is a par getting machine. Yeah. I know that um, Andrea, who was a lefty, is going to throw some things that I was not expecting her yeah. to throw at all. Right. And for someone who has been playing competitively a year, yeah. I mean... People like to, uh, you know, express a little bit of shock that I won a world championship after only playing three years. Yeah. Andrea was competing for one after right. a single year of competition. Yeah. And although she didn't make the final nine, she put in a fine accounting of herself yes. for someone who's only playing a year. Definitely. Um, Jen. Jen was an interesting player because you never knew when she was going to pull out a roller. Mm. And she was a player that was could throw forehands, yeah. throw backhands, or throw rollers. And there are times... And thumbers. And thumbers. Yeah. And there, she would pull all this stuff out. So... So I, much respect. I have a feeling what you're really asking, though, is mm-hmm. um, what's the dynamic like yeah. a- after all of yeah. that? And it was it was good. Yeah. Um, all of us were very cordial with each other yeah. and very congratulatory and when necessary. And it does presented a unique thing though um because pdga regulations dictate how many players get to go to the final nine and all of us were like well all four of us should be playing this (laughs) you know we kind of like kind of became a a team you know know, why why isn't andrea and jen playing this with us and you know we talked to the pdga officials was like come on, come on, let's do this. And they're like, no, we can't make an exception. Once we yeah. make an exception, then everyone wants, wants yeah. an exception. I have something to say to that um, because I think that that attitude is wrongheaded because um, when you're attempting to bring an underrepresented demographic into a sport, yeah. like say, I don't know, women, yeah. <laughs> uh, you make exceptions for a little while 
with the understanding that those exceptions are going to go away once the representation is better. And if somebody from the majority comes along and they say, hey, why are you doing this for the minority? You just say, because we're trying to get more of them into the game. Right. And once there's more of them playing, we'll stop doing it. Yeah. Well, congratulations again. Thank you. It was very exciting. It seemed like everything um, just kind of across the board as far as the uh, event went was pretty smooth. Obviously, a lot of of people here in the Kansas City area were involved. Um, I've heard pretty much nothing but good things. The weather got much better uh, after that first day. And it was it was warm, but it wasn't too hot. I don't know. Maybe for the people who weren't local, I've heard a lot of People say it was really hot and muggy, and I was like, oh, this is a nice break. But anyway. <laughs> it has been much hotter in Kansas City than it was yes. that week. That, yes. I mean, it, it, it was terrific. I, I don't have any complaints about the weather, and who would have complained to anyway? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess I'll say, you know, now, I was going to get to this later, but kind of to your point about you and, and Andrea and Nova, and I've, I've said this before, I think we talked about this a little bit when we were on Steve Dodge's podcast, but I know for me... It's incredibly exciting and inspiring to see y'all playing and playing so well this year. Um, Being that, you know, you all came to disc golf a little bit later in life. And uh, I know for me, as somebody who competed in sports when I was younger, I thought those like days were behind me. Um, And it's just really exciting to know that, hey, in disc golf, there's a a chance here to improve. There's a chance to compete and to do some really cool things. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just have to look at someone like Andrea. Yeah. Who, you know, was an athlete most of her life. Right. Came to this. She's played professional Masters Worlds only her first year or just after her first year in the competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. Yes. That and it's, but it's true. Like with the age protected divisions too, because when I very, very, very first came back to disc golf two years ago, that was like one thing I was really excited about. I was like, wow, when I turn forty, there'll be this whole new opportunity for me, and maybe I could still be a professional athlete. You know, like, and it's cool. Like, I think it's um, neat that there's that opportunity, but there's also you know high level of play. We certainly saw that at. at Pro Masters this week. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, crazy. if you want to, if you want to look at the viability of people who are over forty in disc golf, look at the number of Masters men who play open men very, very right. well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, um, Cam Cam Todd's in his forties, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Maybe older. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, was it uh, two years ago? Took down GBO. Oh yeah. 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 In yeah. style. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the same thing on, at the highest level of FP40 is there too. I mean, Elaine yeah. King right. can hold her own Absolutely. in yeah, FPO. Yeah. Right. You know, Des Redding, when she's yep. healthy. Yep, definitely. You know, can compete in FPO. Yeah. So age protected doesn't necessarily mean... Worse golf. Worse golf. Yeah. No, not at all. Definitely. Really neat. All right. So let's kind of get to some of the other places y'all have been since we saw you or talked to you last because this is a podcast and we can't see you anyway. <laughs> so you both competed at Ledgestone and I want to ask you some questions about that experience. Let's start with Nova. So oh, okay. You got to compete against Barrett White. That is correct. At Ledgestone. Can you tell us about that experience? Uh, Yeah, sure. Um. I had never played with Barrett White before, never met her, and a lot of people who know her were taking me aside in person or on social media mm-hmm. or here and there, and they're like, do you know Barrett? And I'm like, 
no, we're looking forward to it, though. And they're all like, she marches to the beat of her own drummer, or you know, she does things not the way everybody else does. Or yeah. So we, I, you know, I kept an open mind, uh, met her. Absolutely delightful yeah. and every bit as weird as I am. Um, maybe maybe a little weirder. I don't know. So I was just like, no, we, we got along like two peas in a pod as I far bet. as I can tell. Uh, yeah. Funny story about that. Um, she and I were the only two signed up in FP40 yeah. as of like a week before the registration was to close. And uh, uh, Nate, the TD, uh, Nate Heinhold, uh, right. uh, sends me an email, says, hey, there's only two of you. You can't play. I'm moving you to FPO. Give me more money. Yeah. Um, he phrased it a little bit differently than that not a lot but uh and and i was like but i was prepared because like one maybe two days before that barrett had reached out to me on facebook and she's like hey there's just two of us what do you think of that and i'm like i don't mind you know yeah i figure we're in the exact same pool as fpo yeah and there's like 26 of them and if they're doing cards of four right they'll throw the two of us on with uh whoever's the two players are in last place in FPO and yeah. that'll be fine. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. Rock on. Just want to make sure it's cool with you. And I'm like, yeah, cool with me. Cool with you. And she's like, yeah, cool with me. And I'm like, okay. So uh, Nate sends me this email and I send him one back and I'm like, I, I'd like to make you a counter proposal. <laughs> and I just outlined what I, yeah, what I had uh, just, what I've just said. And uh, Nate's like, sounds good. Let me run it past the committee. So apparently Nate has a committee. Um, about a half hour later, gets back to me and he's like, okay, we're doing it. I'm like, yeah. So we had a division of two. Funny thing about Ledgestone, I finished in the money even though I was second. Right. <laughs> out of two. <laughs> but no, abs- absolutely delightful uh, playing with Barrett. Absolutely yeah. delightful playing with whoever was in the last two positions of sure. FPO on any given day. Yeah. I'm going to say this about Ledgestone, about Peoria, by the way. I just want to get this out there. Peoria is the most moist place I have ever been. <laughs> And I've grown up in the center part of the U.S. where the humidity is oppressive. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, I've I've been to Houston in August. I I, I know humid, right? But it's not humid <laughs> in Peoria. Yeah, it's yeah. moist. Yeah, there is there is a dew that is as thick. It's like a half an inch of water. Just dump a half an inch of water, a half an inch of rain on the ground, and let it sit right on the grass. It doesn't evaporate 10 30 11 11 30 wide open foot field the size of a football field no trees sun beating down on it yeah. all day still instantly <laughs> soaks your shoes with dew yeah unbelievable i have never been in a place that moist i got there on a monday i wasn't dry until i got home <laughs> so if you're gonna go play in peoria bring all the towels uh, all much. the towels bring yeah. your waterproof shoes <laughs> yeah if you throw rollers, there's going to be just the most incredible rooster tail shooting off the back of it like it's a speedboat going through the Straits of Miami. It's incredible. All right. Good to know. So, Kim, you competed in FPO. Yes. And this was obviously, for both of you, your first Disc Golf Pro Tour event. Yes. And, Kim, your your tournament was really interesting because after the first round, you were second to last. Yes. And you came back the next three rounds uh, to make cash rather comfortably, let's say. I think you were like a few spots ahead in the cash, which was super cool. Uh, So, yeah, tell us about your experience, about kind of how you overcame that first round, um, getting kind of some revenge on the course, things like that. I think she was sandbagging just so she could meet Barrett. (laughs) 
We got to hang out on the second yeah. day. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So round one was Northwood. Yeah. And Northwood was the chorus of the two of them that gave me the most concern. Mm-hmm. And that's because... All the trees? Well, that's just it. There's, yeah. a, there's a handful of holes that have lots of trees. Yeah. But those particular holes can be round killers. Right. You know, there's a lot of places where you've got good open shots or yeah. you can scramble easily right. and, and stuff right. like that. So we have one day of practice that we we dedicated to Northwood. And, yeah. you know, we went out there and knowing who I am and what I tend to do during rounds, I threw my discs until I knew exactly what I wanted to throw right. on each hole and which line I wanted to t- take. I made notes. Yeah, I had I posted these yeah, notes on Facebook. <laughs> it's like you're gonna throw a relay, and it's gonna be a hyzer flip, yeah. and it's gonna be up the gut. And I told myself, commit to your plan. And first hole, I did that. Second hole, I didn't. Hmm. There's this. I'm looking at the hole, going, well, maybe I can just gentle mm. hyzer it up there instead of hyzer flip it. Yeah. No. <laughs> and suddenly, I'm bogeying it. Hmm. And I was able to keep, I'm like, okay, go back to the plan, go back to the plan. Yeah. So I went back to the plan and it was going well until I think it's course hole nine. Mm-hmm. And course hole nine, I had an early release and then I hit two trees trying to get back mm-hmm. on the fairway. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I'm getting a seven yeah, or, or something like yeah. that. I don't remember yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. And now my nerves have, have got me. And so the next couple holes, I'm taking fours instead of threes, even though it's completely within my power to take threes on yeah. those holes. And um, it just started compounding. And the next thing you know, I have 10 strokes over par. Yeah. And so how did I recover from that? Well, I spent an entire day being despondent about it. <laughs> it's true. Um. And basically, you know, I'm in my hotel room trying yeah. to reevaluate what I'm going to do and, yeah. and how I'm going to play. And so basically at some point in time, near the end of the night, there was just this understanding that I was going to have to stick to my game plan. And another shout out to Dino Ricciotti here. Yeah. Play with Cerro Miedo. Yeah. Zero fear. Even when the fear is there, throw the thing you're intending to throw. Yeah. So next day we were playing Sunset and like Nova said, we got to play with her and Barrett that day and we cheered her up. (laughs) (laughs) And minus one or two instances, I did everything I intended to at Sunset. Yeah. Um, The one thing that I didn't do at Sunset that I meant to was clear the pond on hole four. Sure. I had an early release and it went in the water. I did manage to clear it on round four. Otherwise, I shot even that day. So 10 strokes better than I did the prior day. Um, Northwood on round three. Yep. Uh, I knew everything I did wrong the prior day. And I told myself, uh, regardless of what happens, just get back on the fairway if you if you early release or, or something like that, don't, don't do what you did the prior day yeah. or, you know, the prior round here shot plus one sunset. The next day I had looks to be under par. Yeah. I had looks to be under <laughs> par. It, 
like one missed putt here, one OB yeah. here. I right. could have been under par, but nonetheless, plus one. Yeah. So, you know, differential, you know, I was yeah. plus 10 on round right. one and plus two for the entirety of the rest of the tournament. Yep. So I don't know. There, for Ledgestone, there was a switch that went off in my head the night before round two, mm-hmm. and I just went out there and decided to throw everything I could, and I, it worked. Yeah. I deleted all the Morrissey from her iPod. <laughs> I still had the cure. <laughs> awesome. All right. So did you get any uh, impressions of it being a disc golf pro tour event? Was there anything unique that you noticed about it being a DGPT I mean, aside from the big DGPT scoreboard at yeah, the end right, of sunset. Right. I was, I was a little sad that the elevated basket metal canisters, yeah. on, there were none of those on our courses. Those were that's all out right. at uh, Eureka Temp for the bros. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Well, it was interesting for me because um, playing FPO, I got to play rounds with some of the bigger names yeah. in the sport. I got to play with Jessica Weiss round yeah. one, who eventually ended up winning yeah. the tournament. I got to play with Madison Walker Mm -hmm. in round three. I got to play with Kona Panis and Christine Jennings in round four. And I got to play with Pickle a couple times too. So these are names I've seen on scoreboards or listened to on commentary or, you know, watched amazing throws and suddenly I'm sharing cards with them. And from that point alone, it felt like a DGPT because for someone who has really only played you know, like the A tiers that come close sure. to the Kansas City right, area right, right, right. or traveling to majors or, or something like that, but usually playing age protected in the majors. Right. I haven't ever gotten that opportunity before. And this was that moment where I yeah. was like, I am rubbing elbows with, <laughs> with these amazing women. Yeah. I'm Oh my God, Jessica Weiss just piped a forehand <laughs> up hole 17. Right. Right. How did she do that? Right. <laughs> act right. like you've been here before. I'm just saying. <laughs> act like you've been here before. So, yeah. so yeah, it was um, it was great. Real quick, let's talk just a little bit about the uh, Des Moines Challenge, your first FPO A tier. Yes. Um, so, do you want to share a little bit about that experience? Just again, playing on cards with some of. The bigger names for the first time and Katrina Allen, Lisa Vegas. Yeah, and just kind of the I don't know what that was like. Most of my memory of Des Moines is this was a brutal tournament. Yeah. And it's I know we're gonna get into this a little bit more in later in the segment, but we played four different courses in two days. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the uh standards for tournaments at the moment is you're playing the same course Mm -hmm. for every round or maybe you'll switch off to a second course and you're only going to play two we played four courses in two days and none of these courses are necessarily gimmies right some of them are easier than others obviously ewing is an easier ask than walnut ridge Mm -hmm. um but you know pickard is is a pretty big ask in and of itself it was very difficult to yeah. try to prepare for that yeah, and I to try to imagine. master that experience. Mm-hmm. And so I have to give all props to uh, Katrina right. and Lisa and right. Sarah Gilpin and Holly Finley on that yeah. because they went out there and they took those courses apart pretty well. Yeah, um, Katrina especially did very yeah. well at, uh, at Des Moines and... It was kind of, um, I guess, humbling there sure. to see that kind of skill in motion because 
you know, you, you think you can prepare for this kind of stuff. And Des Moines is a little bit more local to me than a lot of these other players is. Like, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a road trip, but I could go up there and practice these courses. You know, some of these players are on tour. They come in, they have like a handful of days prior to the event and they prepare and just shred it. Right. Do you think it was maybe then like ended up being kind of a good warm up for the other tournaments to just kind of. Oh, yeah. I mean, I experience. I even and, said that. Um, yeah. I went up to Des Moines specifically as preparation for Ledgestone. Right. So that I would try not to be overcome in the moment sure. playing with some of these yeah. players on a in an A-tier environment yeah, yeah. with um, that much on the line. I didn't do it so well in round one at Ledgestone. Sure. <laughs> but uh, but I do think it was vital to yeah. helping me get through for rounds uh, two through four. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so there's one other thing I want to talk about. Um, I had talked on the podcast, the last couple podcasts, about the Raymore Rumble, because it's one of my favorite courses and one of my favorite tournaments. And Nova, you've started a YouTube channel. And you invited me to come out to play uh, from the short tees at Recreation Park. And it was maybe the most fun time ever. Seriously, I had a blast. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, so... glad you're, I'm glad you were able to come because um, I, I made that video. It was just a, a quick you know, playthrough of the course yeah. because I wanted to get it posted online in the week before the tournament yeah. uh, so that players who couldn't come could look at this on YouTube and just have a video walkthrough of the course. Yeah. And I didn't want to play from the long tees and the short tees because the course is split into two pools. Yeah. So I was totally stoked that you were there to play the short tees for the video. And I like it so much. Like there's a few other um, videos out on YouTube of, of local Kansas City courses that I've watched over the last couple of years to kind of mentally prepare. And it's super helpful. Uh, and your channel's really fun. You've got a few solo rounds at, at some different courses around town, right? Um, yeah, uh, Missouri Western, um, Atchison, um, what's that, Jackson Park in Atchison, and uh, Raymore. I've, I've been making these uh, round videos primarily in the run-up uh, to like local B slash C tier tournaments. Right. Um, just so that there's sort of a built-in market for the video. I'm not just, because I'm not 100% convinced that people want to watch uh, an 18-minute video of me playing disc golf in the park all by myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I go to a course where a tournament's about yeah. to be and make a video of the course and try to show off the course a little bit and then throw it on the Facebook event page for the event, it gets views yeah. because people want to study the course or say, hey, what's going on with this? Yeah, and I think think your maybe your most viewed video because it's super fun is you playing nine holes with ultimate discs oh dear god yeah <laughs> it's so cool though <laughs> it's it's horrible I, I didn't have the the common sense to like wait for a better day i was out there on a day when the wind was blowing like 30 miles an hour and like gusting harder than that so understable it's crazy <laughs> yeah that's um, I think I think in the video I, I said something about just leaving my dignity on the tee pad and just going for it. Yeah, and that is that video is just me but with no dignity. Such a fun idea! I really like it. And all that work and prep paid off because your first round at the Raymore Rumble was pretty darn great. What was it? Five under? Is that right? Uh, I think it was. I don't 
remember exactly. I think it was like two under. Um, no, it was more than that. <laughs> on a, on a par, par is really low. It's a part golf it's um, true. course. And I think there's only one par four out there Yeah. Uh, in both rounds. So it's par 55. And I think I shot, I don't know, 53 maybe. Something that was 943 rated. And well, yeah, super well awesome. yeah. Yeah. We're burying the lead. That's. <laughs> I think that's, that's what, what you do. wanted to get to. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll have an interview with Christy Moore. We'll talk about the ladies at the Lake Tournament and some other really exciting stuff. We'll be right back. Looking for the perfect disc golf disc to take your game to the next level? Ladies First Disc Golf makes the disc selection process easy with an inventory of women's friendly discs. Ladies First Disc Golf wants to make sure you are looking and feeling great on the course. Jazz up your disc golf wardrobe with a large selection of apparel items for women disc golfers chosen and designed by women's disc golfers. At Ladies First Disc Golf, the ladies always come first. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com for all of your women's disc golf, disc, apparel, and accessory needs. Christy, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of your disc golf background and your disc golf story and how you came to disc golf? Uh, Sure. I mean, um, I started playing in 2001, uh, but that was, of course, casually. Um, Some friends introduced me. I probably played once every few months, maybe, with them. Um, Started taking a little more seriously around probably 2006, 2008, in between there. But I didn't start playing tournaments until 2013. Uh, And since then, I believe I've played 60, probably 66, 67 events. Awesome. Um, And then as far as, you know, running tournaments and stuff, I really got inspired by a lot of the ladies that are already running ladies tournaments, Sharon Jenkins, Aaron Mm -hmm. Oakley, and just kind of led to me wanting to run one of myself. Awesome. So can you give us a little bit of the history of the ladies at the Lake Tournament? I believe this was the second year. Yeah, absolutely. It started, um, this is our second year. So last year we had it in August as well. Um, both times the same course, uh, the Gordon Holt Memorial Disc Golf Course, and that's in Delaware, Ohio. Um, like I said, it, it kind of spawned from uh, a few years ago. We had a women's tournament there, Scarlet Open, which was ran by Sharon Jenkins. Uh, she lives probably a couple hours away from the course. So after a couple years, she moved it actually up closer to where she lives. I mean, she's been running that for a few years, like I said, and that was kind of one of the things that inspired us. Um, that and uh, Disc Girls Gone Wild by Aaron Oakley is a great event, and I have attended that since the first year I started playing tournaments, 2013. I went every year. And then, you know, Jenny Sanfilippo with the Wisco Disco up in Wisconsin. So a lot of that just kind of led to me wanting to get, you know, something – uh, the Scott Open was always kind of ran as a C tier, you know, low entry fees, sometimes trophy only for the WGE. Uh, the first year it was ran as a WGE, we had free entry. So, but I wanted to maybe have a little bit bigger tournament, you know, uh, beat right now we're running as a B tier, cool. just out of cash for the pros trying to get in, you know, more pro women. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the women's tournament in this area seems to be a lot of amateurs, which is great. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Um, but just something to kind of pull in all levels of the game. So can you tell us a little bit more about the course that it was played on? Um, what kind of course it is? Is it a more open course, wooded course? It's definitely a more wooded course. Um, it's great. It sits right on um, a beautiful lake. Uh, it's very it's very technical. There's not a whole lot of long holes, you know, super long holes, that is. I mean, everything's – I think we have one hole maybe that's over 400 feet, and the rest are all shorter, but definitely technical, definitely in the woods. You definitely have to hit your line to do well there. And you had a pretty full uh, FPO field both last year and this year. Uh, I believe Rebecca Cox took the win this year. 
yeah yeah she did she um actually she won by quite a few strokes yeah. she did she played amazing so can you tell us a little bit more about the ohio disc golf scene for women i know y'all got a lot going on out there yeah yeah we have a couple pretty active clubs um our columbus ladies disc golf league is pretty active um we get anywhere from 10 to 20 women mm-hmm. each week and we do rotating courses every tuesday um and you know rotate courses we have a schedule posted on our facebook page the dayton the dayton ladies league has grown unbelievably in the last year um i know for years it was just a few of them out there playing and i know they get they get close to 20 on a regular basis almost every tuesday and they do fun stuff like they also have like a partner's night where you can bring you know a friend your spouse kid whoever mm. so you know like once a month they do a partner's night or once a month they do a beginner's night so and they you know have somebody come out and do like a small clinic beforehand and usually work on one aspect of the game so it's definitely growing around ohio for the longest time i mean our ladies league started with uh lisa warner and maureen miller basically those two playing mm. every tuesday for years before, you know, and then they get one or two ladies that would join them here and there, but it's definitely the biggest that it's ever been now. That's really exciting to hear. Are you planning on doing Ladies of the Lake again next year? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we're going to try to even grow it a little bit more next year. Eventually our goal would ideally to be one of the only all women's A tiers on the schedule. I think that's our end goal. Um, So I think next year we're going to try to run it on the, basis that you know still has a b tier but like it's an a tier with at least the two thousand dollars out of cash and the requirements for the players back for for ams and stuff like that just to try to get you know uh, a lot of times you know you take the a tier like ladies who went and played an a tier the same weekend as, as our event even with it being an a tier there being two thousand plus added cash right his place is still only taking barely more than Rebecca made of the B tier. Right. So, right. you know, cause you don't have to split, you know, it goes to pro women and pro masters, not divided up over all the pro mm-hmm. fields. So I think, you know, women's only events could be great, you know, to grow the sport for lower levels because a lot of women feel more comfortable playing in women's only events. And then if you can get that support and get that added cash for the pros and they come out and they're going to get bigger paydays as well, sometimes without having traveled near as far to get them. I think we need to get a lot more quality women's events out there. All the women's events are great. Um, but I think, I think we could definitely, I mean, there's a few out there right now that I think if put together could make an awesome, you know, women's tour possibly, um, you know, not necessarily to pull them away from the current tours, but to run with the current tours. Yes. So that on those off weekends, the women are still having a chance to, to make really good money um, playing at some of these women's only events and eventually maybe growing that into something where we just have the women playing in their event. Uh, yeah, I think that would be probably yeah. one of the best ways right now to try to get more women playing. Like I said, I know a lot of women who came out to our event. It was their first tournament. Yeah. So I think it, it definitely makes them feel more comfortable when they're playing with more women that play at their skilled level, not just going to an event where they're playing maybe with the same one person that they play with all the time over and over you know and definitely sometimes you know you get two women who are playing a wreck or two women in intermediate and they're they're lumped on a car with guys a lot of times and right. they still don't feel the same comfort level they do it at the women's tournament yeah. so i think more quality women's tournaments will definitely help grow the women's field yeah I, I totally agree and that's something you know we just keep hearing over and over again uh how important all women's tournaments are and i really 
um, love hearing you talk about the potential for at least a short women's tour. That's definitely something we've thought about here. And I, I think that's uh, hopefully inevitable and hopefully in, in the near future. So what do you have next uh, for your disc golf? It looks like you're signed up for uh, USWDGC. Yep. yep. Um, I may play a couple of smaller events before then. Um, I've been having a little bit of elbow issues, so I haven't played anything. I think the last tournament I played was uh, Women Shoot the Mitt up in Michigan. Mm -hmm. They actually have a fantastic women's disc golf scene up there. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was, that was about, I think, about a month ago now. So I'm just trying to get my elbow ready to go for USWDGC. <laughs> fantastic. Well, best of luck yeah. to you, and thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me. And we're back with our topic of the week. And this week, we're going to talk about courses and tournament formats, a super fun topic. And let's just dive right in and talk about um, what are our favorite types of courses. So like we talked about in a little bit ago, you all have been in a lot of places recently and played a lot of different kinds of courses. So Nova, let's start with you. What is your favorite kind of course? What gets you excited? I'm getting a lot of haters for this, but I like ball golf courses yeah. and I like park golf. Um, I don't mind throwing around uh, the walkers and the kids on the bikes and the scooters. And um, a lot of that is because I throw a little bit farish. Yeah. So a lot of these like local BNC tiers at like parks and stuff. Yeah. Um, I can, you can throw me in a card with like four guys of some division. Sure. And depending on the division, I'm either hanging with them or out throwing them. And because it's a park. Yeah. And that feels fine. Um, if I'm going to be playing against Kim, <laughs> then it's got to be a wooded course with steep inclines. <laughs> and the reason for that is they get in her head so much. Long view. Yeah. I love long view because yeah. long view hates Kim. <laughs> It's true. Longview does not like me. There's there'll, there'll be like a gap, like a one foot cheater oh, gap off. It's not even the line. It's like the other side. And I'll just accidentally hit it and park the basket. Yeah. And Kim will like play right up the middle and hit like a spider web. Yeah. And drop 10 feet off the end of the oh, tee pad. That, that course hates her. <laughs> hates her. It seems like we all have those courses, right? Like, yeah, Longview is my nemesis. Yeah, like so. everyone has a course that just for some reason doesn't treat them well. And for others, it, it works out just fine. Uh, so, Kim, I guess we got a little bit of an idea of what you like and <laughs> well, don't like. You definitely but, know what I don't like. Yeah, what do you like? So th this is interesting because a lot of players have asked me this, you know, what are yeah. your favorite courses or, you know, where do you like to play? And most of the time, I'm really ambivalent about this. Yeah. You know, I don't have a, a preferred course. I'm not going to say I like tight technical. I don't like a long bomber. Sure. I, um, I don't like healthy mix. You know, usually the course is just the place I go to play yeah. and I, I don't really have a preference I know what I don't want to play, yeah. and that's usually just because I can't play it well, and that's not necessarily indicative of anyone's style. For me, this is going to sound like bad, like Noah was saying, I like well-kept main and yes. maintained courses, Amen and that is, that. yeah. so if the greens are manicured, mm -hmm. you know, if the, the tall grass is kept manageable or, or outright mm -hmm. eliminated, if the, you know, area is scenic, 
these are things I'm going to want to want to play. Yeah. Um, I also like playing on ball golf courses mostly because you have a very dependable green. You know yeah, what you know what your right. discs are going to do right. on them. Yeah. You know that your footing is going to be assured because yeah. um, you play in certain areas where you know it's uh, mole rat or mole rat fallout <laughs> <laughs> reference there. It, it's mole. You get mole hills everywhere. Yeah, and right. you know or um. The sticks and the twigs yeah. are just laying down everywhere. You got acorns or other fruit that are just littering, yeah. you know, parts of the fairway. Your, your footing doesn't feel comfortable and things like that. You know, it, it's not as fun of experience when you, right. as opposed to getting to a park where, or a course, yeah. where you can't wait to throw it because right. it just looks so inviting. Right, right. And so for me, most of the time, if you're going to ask me, what I want to play, I'm going to think about the ones that are pretty. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Because I'm going to have good memories of going, yeah. look at this. I want to throw this. Because that's what Sunset was. Right. Um, Sunset was gorgeous. Yeah. Ewing Park up in Des Moines. Gorgeous. Yeah. You know, um, lots of trees, but the trees are fair. I like Bad Rock and Liberty. Right. Um, mostly because uh, of everything in Kansas City, it's got a very healthy mix and mm-hmm. it's, it's usually very well maintained. Yeah. Big shout out to Winged Deer in Johnson City. That was a great park to play as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it for me, it, it's more a matter of, am I going to feel comfortable on right. the greens or on the fairways? Right. So, And also off the fairways, um, you know, if uh, as soon as you get off the fairway into the rough, you find yourself uh, waist deep in poison ivy. Yeah. That's, oh. it's just unhealthy. <laughs> I've been having this conversation with people that our sport especially at like the c and b tier level sometimes is almost like a game show where the penalty for failure is you have to do something uncomfortable sure it's like oh look (laughs) like a japanese game show (laughs) absolutely oh look you've gone off the fairway spin the wheel of torture do you get poison ivy stinging nettle ticks mosquitoes oh Oh, look you got pick three right (laughs) and so oh you get the poison ivy the stinging nettle and the honey locust thorns because earlier this year my legs were covered Mm -hmm. in either scratches bites or abrasions from or or poison outright poison ivy from all of the times i'd gone off the fairway and it's an interesting sport that not only is this expected, right. um, that the sometimes the you know you bring up your concerns about you know how rough the rough is, and yeah. you know uh, local players or even local tournament directors will be like, oh well, you need to get good. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. It, we have a very interesting sport, in ter- at least in terms of how uh, the courses are maintained yeah. and upkept, because sometimes right. it is very. It, I'm not going to say it's dangerous, but it's definitely uncomfortable to go off the fairway. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting for me because I'm, you know, still relatively new, though I just passed my two year mark. So now I feel like I'm sort of leaving the brand newbie uh, life behind a little bit. But I, you know, to your point, I like courses that are well kept. I like baskets. I mean, obviously, we all like baskets that are fair. I find myself drawn to courses that have a little bit newer baskets. 
Um, you don't like the Mach 3s. No, I don't like the Mach 3s. Um, <laughs> I have spent so much time putting on Mach 3s yeah. that, that I know how to do sure. them. Sure. No, to be fair. Which it, which is, it, yeah. it's awesome when people come from out of town and they're like, oh God, Mach 3, I'm going to die. And yeah. I'm just over here smiling. But there's, um, there's a few holes at Recreation Park that I really like. I'm finding I really like holes that have kind of open fairways and guarded greens. I really like that shot of kind of having crashed into the trees and then find your way to the basket. Um, I think for where I'm at, I kind of rather have the challenge there than off the tee. Uh, more so than, you know, your tunnel shots and things like that. The elevation change is really fun. I obviously really like throwing downhill, um, but I'm okay throwing uphill too. I think that brings in some other um, skill sets and, and it's just a different shot. Uh, and the more I play, the more I, I definitely crave those variety of shots. Uh, but I still very much like park golf for that reason, because I'm still <laughs> learning. And I, as much as I love disc golf, I hate looking for discs. It's not my my favorite part of the sport, certainly. That's one of the things on the, the wheel of punishment. You're right. <laughs> in a lost disc. Come play disc golf. It's great, you spin, guys. You went off the fairway. <laughs> spin the wheel of punishment. I, uh, I've been really good at finding discs lately, though. I feel like I've had enough practice that it's getting... One of the things, uh, kind of a shout out to Doss Loomis here, yeah, um, local Masters player, yeah, has said that a good course will take you out of your comfort zone, yeah, that it's going to challenge you to find your better golf, and to a certain extent, I do agree with that. When we're looking at championship level yeah, courses, absolutely. Um, one of the things I wanted to make a distinction between is there is a a big difference between a a course you want to play on a big tournament and right. one you want to play recreationally. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the things I'm going to look for in a recreational course that I'm not necessarily going to be as critical of in a in bigger course that's going to give me a caddy book and there's going to be videos showing right. me where to go and stuff like that is how good is the signage? Yeah. How right. good is the navigation right. from hole Absolutely. to hole? Um, are these things clear? If I pull up uh, the course on uh, disc golf course review showing up there for the first time. Am I going to be able to find my way from hole to hole without too much trouble? Right. Or am I going to get lost yeah. wandering from here to there? So Kim hinted at this a little bit earlier. I wanted to talk about tournament formats. Again, I'm still pretty young in my competing career here. And I'm really excited because I'm signed up for my very first A tier. And it will be the first time that I play a tournament that is just one round a day. I've always played... Uh, you know, your C-tier two-rounders type situation. So for y'all that have been out there more... Is this the Mac? This is the Mac. This is the Mac. I'm very excited to be playing the Mac. Well, those are long courses, so I yeah. think you're going to be really glad to be only yes. playing one round a day. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think, yeah, like to your point, when I'm looking at tournaments to play, if if it is for me personally, like 24 holes per round or something crazy long and it's going to be two rounds. I'm just not up for it right now. You know, like, Oh, of course. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, do you have a preferred tournament format? Let me, let me kind of phrase it in a couple different ways. So if you're traveling, let's say to a tournament, are you more inclined to be happy if it's, let's say two rounds on Saturday and one on Sunday? Cause you feel like you get the most bang for your buck. Or are you still looking for a particular format when you pick tournaments? It really depends on what courses we're going to be sure. playing. Um, 
I brought up the Des Moines Challenge. Yeah. Its name is the Challenge, and it is meant to be gotcha. a hard tournament. You know, yeah. It's one of the things that the tournament director said up front is, we know this is hard. It is meant to be hard. Playing four courses of that length and, and of that difficulty in the span of two days. Okay, I've done it once. I would not want to do that every single time right. I travel to an event. Most of the time, I would prefer to play a single round yeah. in a day. Yeah. Um, it gives me enough time to focus all of my energy on that one particular course. Right. Um, I'm going to be able to evaluate what I did and, and then physically recover from it before I have to attack it again the next time I see it. Um, and that's provided I'm playing that course again, you know, like something like the glass blown open. It's you play three rounds over three days, but you're, unless you're playing um, MPO, you're still playing right. three different courses. Um, playing two rounds in a day is a challenging ask. Yeah. Um, especially if you've got say like 98 degree weather right. the humidity right. is beating down you, you're trying to stay hydrated and stay fed but not overdo it yeah and you're pulling your equipment if it's on a cart or a backpack the whole time this this can be a very physically challenging act at right. least in terms of your endurance to be able to play your best golf the second round so given my choice of a format i'm gonna say give me one round yeah. a day I agree. What do you think, Nova? Um, one round a day um, feels like a luxury to me. Um, <laughs> and there, there are trade-offs, right. though, because, you know, if you if it's four or five rounds at one round a day, that means that's uh, extra hotel time, right. extra restaurant meals. Right. Um, but on the other hand, you get more recovery time in right. between. Uh, but it also allows more time for uh, something that um, is happening at uh, the larger tournaments, which is uh, time to go to the various parties, right. time to go hang out, time to do things. Um, because I've been to some A tiers where it's like two rounds on one day and say one on the next day or yeah. two rounds one day, two on the next right. day. And then they're like, okay, but Saturday night we got the players party right. and we got the beer and we got the beer pong and All we right. got some beer and there's beer. And we're also going to have beer in our beer while you beer so that you can beer. And it's like, you know, it was 90 degrees out there. Yeah. It's six o'clock. I'm done with the shower. I'm ready for dinner because lunch was the sandwich that I was able to scarf down while right. dr driving frantically from one course to the other course right. across town with my GPS in my lap. Not ready to go have beer. Right. You know, <laughs> no, ready to turn on History Channel and collapse in the <laughs> hotel room. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and that's something that I, I do want to address in terms of am I okay playing two rounds in a day? Yeah. I am. Right. If, you know, the courses are relatively close to each other and, right. you know, their combined distance doesn't make it right. a, a terribly exhausting day. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say no, I don't, there aren't times I want to play two right. rounds in a day. Yeah. I'll take the luxury of one round in a day, though. Well, and everything, you know, is kind of... Every tournament is different and, and there's advantages and disadvantages like the Mac that I'm playing that we talked about. That's going to be on three separate courses. So I'm not going to get a chance to, you know, fix something in tournament like I would at a tournament that is two rounds at the same course. Uh, but, you know, then I get to play three courses. So it just it just depends. Every situation's a little bit different. Yeah, and that, that is one of the trade-offs. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you're not repeating a course, 
psychologically speaking, you have right. to leave whatever baggage yep. from one course behind to attack the next one. You don't yep. get another chance at it. Yeah. Which is, thankfully at Ledgestone, I was able to avenge my, <laughs> right. north, my Northwood <laughs> right. collapse exactly. and have a good round exactly. there and leave with my head held yeah. high, knowing yeah. that I was able to play right. the course well. Yeah. So I hope I hope our answer of it depends <laughs> <You're right. laughs> was a really satisfactory way to wrap that one up. So, so far we've told you that there is a wheel of torture in disc golf. That's right. And everything just kind of depends. Excellent. Well, and it, it's just a very subjective. <laughs> right topic you know everyone's going to have preferences absolutely some, some players are going to want tight technical mm-hmm. cor- courses that demand accuracy off the tee and demac- demand accuracy on the fairway right some like you you said you know you'd you'd like to have a bomb shot off the the tee but then have the technical aspect of it getting to the green right so yeah you know, there's definitely uh room for everyone to have the have a say and a preference yeah. in this good talk so now let's transition to talking about uh the fpo tournament wrap-up segment of our show and i want to start with the european championships that happened a couple weeks ago there is some really amazing stuff happening internationally with disc golf um obviously disc golf's been growing worldwide for quite some time now and in some certain areas especially it's it's growing like wildfire like finland (laughs) and the wall of blue simon the wall of blue (laughs) Um, it's just crazy. So at the European Championships, we had another battle between Evelina Salonen and Hanna Blumrus, which has just kind of been the story of, of the season in Europe is really those two. Um, they're 18 years old. And as of the last, uh, ratings update that just came out, they are 954 and 952 rated, which is Hi, it makes Evelina, I believe, the fifth highest rated woman in the world right now, and Hannah is sixth, and they're very young, um, and it would be great to, you know, see them get to compete um, a little bit more here in the States, for sure. I love watching some of the courses in Europe. Oh, yeah. I love watching the women play them. I love, I love watching the men play them. Yeah. There is some beautiful scenery on golf courses oh, yeah. in Europe. Oh, if- yeah. Well, the reason for that is they don't do mixed uh, mixed use uh, parks over there. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no dodge in the baby strollers and the <laughs> rollerbladers and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, parks for relaxation, huh. like in your, in your city centers and stuff, are one thing. And then sports are done at sports parks. Yeah. Where, and that's where the sports are. And you go over to the sports park and you do your sports there. Yeah. And as a result, they're dedicated for the sports, and they look fantastic. Yeah. I mean, did you watch Kona Peach Day this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would love to get over there and play, and play that event. Yeah. When we talk about bucket list events, yep. I, I mean, I didn't list any Europe yeah. event or locales when I uh, was asked on Smashbox. Yeah. But sitting here talking about it absolutely. now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> want to go to Kona Peach Day. I want to go to Iceland. Yeah. I've seen some of the courses in Iceland. Definitely. They've got some beautiful stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, Hannah and Evelina aren't the only ones tearing it up. Uh, Kristen Tatar has been playing really well. She got third at the European Championships uh, this weekend at the MVP Open. Uh, Katka Bodova was here, as well as a Norwegian player whose name I'm going to attempt to say, and it's not going to go well. I'm almost positive because I know zero Norwegian, but it's uh, Leike Sandovic. That was maybe close to what her name is, um, but... 
always cool to see international players uh, here. Um, and certainly to your point, we should go over there too and, and check out some of the great disc golf. So I'm hoping to do an international episode of the podcast soon. Uh, certainly some time barriers and language barriers to, to get over, but we'll figure that out. So this weekend was the MVP Open, which I was keeping a very close eye on. And uh, yes, yeah, Sarah Hokum just tore it up shredded oh my that gosh course. it's super consistent um this will be in my ulti world article that'll uh probably come out tomorrow but i i did some looking at her stats and some number crunching and over the last 50 rounds that she has played she's played 970 rated or above in about half of them and had 3,000 or higher rated rounds. And she's just been incredibly consistent. I don't remember what the floor of those ratings were. I think it was in the 920s. Um, Just really, really, really going into world, certainly very, very hot. Two Um, words. Yeah. Two words. Yeah. Paige Bierkus. Yes. Holy cow. What a season she's having. Yeah, I mean... To decide to stay out on the road, take a semester off of school, and then uh, come in second at Maple Hill. That's a pretty good week, right? Pretty like, week. <laughs> some good affirmation there. Um, she, yeah, she's just She had a great so event well. at Ledgestone as yep. well. Yep, definitely. Some really good play across the board. Uh, yeah. I want to give a yeah, sorry, particular ahead. shout out to Holly Finley, who yes. had a really good round three yes. at, at Maple Hill this yep, weekend. She tied for the hot round with Sarah. Um, which was really good. Uh, Holly and uh, Paige Birkus were on the mic on commentary for the third round, and they did a really, really good job. Um, They're both excellent commentators. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to hear from them some more. Uh, But yeah, Lisa Fakus had a really good tournament too. She took third, um, second round, 100% circle one putting. That'll help. Um, so really, good job, Lisa. yeah, really good tournament and just kind of a really interesting setup headed into worlds. We don't really do picks on this podcast or a lot of forecasting because there's a lot of other podcasts for that. Um, but I don't think it's super clear as clear maybe as we expected it to be that Paige Pierce is just going to run away with worlds this year. Um, we'll have to see what happens. And I think there's. No, when we when we started the podcast, one of the questions right. a listener had was, "Do we think Paige Pierce was going to run away with the season?" Yeah. And and we said no. Um, Maybe we should do more forecasting. <laughs> well, more to the point, uh, the question was, you know, was she just that far ahead of everyone else, yeah. or would other women rise to challenge her? And one of the things we said was, "Well, keeping that kind of pace that she started right. off with is difficult." Yeah, absolutely. but we also said. A lot of the women who are her competitors are really, really good. Yeah. And they are going to rise to the occasion. Yep. And, it, you know, we've seen that yep. with Jessica Weiss at Ledgestone. Right. We've seen it with Sarah Hokum. We've seen it with Paige Bierkus. A lot of the women are starting to make their move. And there's not a better time to do that than right before Worlds. If you find right. your best golf before the World Championship, absolutely. you know, it's going to make that event... Um, fantastic as a spectator yeah i mean i don't know necessarily know that i want to be in the mix there trying to to battle it out with those greats but uh as a spectator i'm i'm just salivating at the thought of seeing that golf i I want to see all of these women bring their game well and to your point you know it's not like Paige pierce the tournaments that she's lost 
she's lost to players that are playing, you know, 940 golf. That has not been the case. Really, as we've gotten later in the season here, everyone who has won, you know, a Pro Tour event or an NT event, A tiers, these bigger events, for the most part, they're playing 960 and higher rated golf. I mean, they're oh, yeah. playing very, very high level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very excited for Worlds. Uh, huge, 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 huge women's field this year. It's the the biggest we've ever had. Um, I'm trying to remember the last time I checked, it was something like 50. I'm really excited to watch, or hopefully there'll be some coverage, but just to pay attention to uh, mixed doubles for Worlds this year. Yeah. Matt Dollar, Matt and, Dollar Elaine and Elaine King. King. Yeah, we're MVP geeks. It's fine. Um, but there's lots of other really fun players teaming up. So I was kind of perusing that a little bit today on the PDGA page. So definitely check out Worlds. There's going to be live coverage. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. Um, And it's a beautiful, beautiful course talking about nice courses. Mm -hmm. Uh, It should be really cool. All right. Any shout outs or last thoughts? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to you. (laughs) Um, Thanks for having us back. Thanks for having me back. Um, this, all, all the media stuff that I've done this year, um, has been a direct offshoot of you sitting down and making a podcast and having me on that one time. And then suddenly Terry Miller's like, Hey, y'all sound good on a mic, do some commentary. (laughs) And then I'm like, maybe I should make some video too. And then I'm like, maybe I should make some video like near where Terry is. And Terry's like, no, use my camera. And I'm like, okay, it's, this is all because you sat down and decided to make a podcast. So shout out to you, Becca. Well, thank you, Nova. Oh, let's see. Uh, Kim Van Brunt and Mira Peterson up in Omaha for putting on the Omaha Ladies yeah, Open. that also happened. It's yeah. a fun tournament I got to play and really appreciate them trying to grow uh, another women's event in the yeah. Midwest. You know, I look forward to the day that it's the size of the Diva Fiva and we have two really big women's events yeah. here. Also, shout out to Carrie Ricketts and Tracy Lopez for putting on the Mighty Miss yep. up in the Quad Cities. Um, I'm sorry I was not able to make it there this year. I did want to go. But from all reports, it was a fun event. And the pictures I've seen made yeah. it look really fun. Yeah. I'm kind of regretting not, <laughs> not just struggling out there and playing with a little bit of lower back pain. Um, but um, also growing a women's event and hopefully that blossoms into yeah. something that everyone wants to travel to play as well absolutely I'm a, I'm a little sad that i didn't get to go absolutely enormous fp40 field like what eight nine players yeah. is that right yeah. a really big fp40 yeah, yeah, yeah. field I saw that. That that's was cool that's that is crazy large numbers <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the podcast you can contact us with your questions comments concerns thoughts any of those things at ladiesofthechains at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook. Our new video series, Lupe and Becca Throw Discs, is now out on YouTube. Uh, It's not searchable yet, so you got to find it through our Facebook. But we will be posting more videos and will be searchable on uh, YouTube soon. If you like the podcast, if you'd be so kind to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform that you are listening on, Thanks again, and we'll see you back in a couple weeks here on the Lays of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.